Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. Ah. Welcome back to the cottage. We're continuing our series in with Joel chapter 2, believe it or not. And we're looking at how to take that application a step further in regard to the idea of producing fruit. Producing fruit in the New Testament and fruits of righteousness. Just out of review, real quick, we're still talking about the same theology from Joel 1, 2, and 3. So I'm not going to pull the recap up. But I want you to keep that in mind. Joel chapter 1 was the judgment of God which caused in Joel chapter 2 for the people to respond either to repent or not. Those that did repent had everything they lost in chapter 1 restored to them. Those who did not were to be reached in chapter 3 or which is parallel to the book of Revelation where we found as Sister Sherilyn so poignantly pointed out that there's no repentance in the book of Revelation. So that's chapter 3, but you still were still offering that. So I want you to continue that. We have gone backwards and forwards through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation with this same thing. I'm trying to show you what Jesus did with Isaiah and what Peter does with Joel too and what Paul even does is all tied together. And it's the same thing. And I am so excited, as I was talking to Sherilyn this morning, that you are beginning to apply this. Matter of fact, this message was already made before uh, we had some discussions last Sunday that I was so excited about in the unofficial business meeting. Because in the unofficial business meeting, instead of talking about the other things, you are actually applying the scriptures. You're applying this very theology to a very practical situation. So I was really excited about that. You're seeing, you're understanding, and you're applying it, and that's great. So I want to go further into that. I want to lean into that in this message that I already had ready, and then the rest of the time I was preparing for the uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night service this weekend. So I want to begin in Matthew chapter 3. We've already been here. Remember our series we went to in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. I want to grab that again. Let's grab that one more time. Let's focus in on what we learned out of Joel chapter 1, 2, and 3. Which is what Jesus was doing with Isaiah. Which was what... Uh, Peter was doing in Acts 2 and what was Paul doing we saw in Ephesians, okay? We're in Matthew chapter 3 now, verses 1-2. In those days, John the Baptist came, John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness. Remember, we did the whole series of in the wilderness of Judea. And the reason why he's coming from the wilderness is that's how they came out of the wilderness. 
with Moses out of Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land a new creation but I taught you from my Pentateuch professor at Asbury University that Genesis chapter 2 is a wilderness and it goes all the way back to chapter 1 verse 2 where it talks about even then that he's going to do creation in that wilderness in chapter 2 where there's no water so it's all tied here So you bring all these pieces together and say, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. That's what John the Baptist is preaching. That's Joel chapter 2. That's what Peter is preaching. And 3,000 people repent on the day of Pentecost. And that's what we as Baptists preach, right? Repent. That's the whole point. It's John the Baptist. Although he wasn't the Baptist denomination necessary, but anyway. Some Baptists try to say we go all the way back to John the Baptist. That's not true, but anyway. Why are you repenting though? Why repent? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. He knows that God is coming in Jesus Christ. He knows that God is about ready to show up in Jesus Christ. And he's offering them this chance to repent. Just like Joel chapter 2. For this is what was spoken of the prophet Isaiah. Again, he's going with Jesus. They're going to Isaiah. Peter goes to Joel. It's the same thing though. God has not changed from Genesis chapter 1 what he's preaching. Saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Go back to our wilderness series. We, we have all those there. I think the clerk's going to be, Rini's going to be printing out those guides that you, if you haven't got to the messages, you can get them. You can go back and go through all that, all the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. We went through all that. Make his path straight. We went through all of that. So that you can now understand this. Repent to make it right. When my daughter fell and broke her arm. And then we had to get her out of the mountains. And get her to the hospital. They put her in a cast. Why? They made it straight. And they put her in a cast. And after that she had white coat syndrome. Because she knew anybody wearing a white. Sorry dad. Anybody wearing a white coat. You just got a white shirt. Man, that's why I don't wear a Tim Mary. I don't want to scare my daughter. That's why I don't wear white shirts. They're going to grab her arm. <laughs> so she's not interested in white. <laughs> because those people that wear white. They're going to grab. And actually in Hindu culture. Whenever your father dies. You're supposed to wear white clothes for one year. So, anyway, so that's, you know. But anyway, she knows white people, and with people wearing white uniform, they're, they're going to grab your arm and she doesn't, she's not interested. But they had to do that to straighten her broken arm out. And they put it in the cast so that it could grow back right. And she's fine now. She's fine now. Matter of fact, her bones were in development because it happened when she was so young that it's, it's probably, you probably can't even tell. I don't know if it'd show up on an x ray now or whatever. Because it's already, you know, she was in process and so it just, it's a part of life. It's a part of her learning and growing. So prepare the way to make the path straight. To take that which is broken and fix it. Are you with me? We're in Matthew 3. We're now going to track in verses 4 through 6. And the same John has a raiment of camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loins. That's pointing to Elijah. And we did something with Elijah. And his meat was locust and wild honey. Hallelujah. We did the locust. There we go. Remember? We did the locust. Anybody want to eat locust? Did anybody grill locust? Well, John, you know, he's got locust here. Anyway, he's kind of wild guy, so he has wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem 
Judea and the region about the Jordan. Remember we did Acts chapter 1? You're going to go to Jerusalem, Judea, and the other most parts of the earth. Look at this. They're all coming to John. They're all coming to John where he's baptizing. All the region about the Jordan. And we did all that at Christmas time. Jesus and the Jordan River. And were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins, repenting. Baptism, confessing their sins. Now these are Jewish people. These are God's people. And he's reaching out to them. They're repenting. They're confessing their sins and they're being baptized. Hallelujah. They're being made right. The broken is being made right. Verses 7 to 8. But when he saw many, but. (laughs) You know, you love those when the Bible gives you a but. But. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers. He called them snakes. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? The wrath is coming. The wrath is coming. Who warned you? So there you go. We have Joel chapter 1, where there's a judgment. Joel 2, where wrath is coming. Repent, and you'll avoid the wrath. But the wrath is coming in chapter 3, and it only falls on those who don't repent. They don't repent. Bring, therefore, fruits meet for repentance. You can't just come and get wet. If you haven't repented. Now he's going to grab on this. I want to grab on to Matthew 3.8. Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. Remember the locust stripped everything in chapter 1. Remember in chapter 2 is repentance and restoration sets that what the locust ate up came back and God gave them back everything. The fruit returned. The life returned. John is asking for fruits. He's asking, show me fruit. I need to judge by the fruit. Obviously, Matthew's going to later on, Jesus is going to talk about, you judge not, least you be judged. You can't judge a person, but you can judge the fruit of that person. Okay? So, Matthew 3, 9 and 10. And think not to say within ourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able to make of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire. So we can have a wiener roast. I was supposed to speak at the wiener roast. Or anyway, we, we, oh no, I wasn't supposed to. Here we go. Here's our wiener roast. So if you miss me not speaking, here it is. Here it is. If the tree will not produce fruit, we cut it down and we, we can at least roast hot dogs and make s'mores out of it. In other words, God is going to get something out of it. And if you go back carefully and read Joel chapter 1, 2, and 3, that's what he's talking about. And I'm using that only as a pattern because Joel is three chapters. It's a short book in the Bible for you to grab this so that you can read the rest of the Bible because the rest of the Bible is saying the same thing. Even right here in Matthew chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. If it doesn't produce fruit, we're cutting it down. And it's going to the fire, which we talked about in Joel the fire. Matthew 3, 11 and 12. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. There it is, water unto repentance. It's a transition. You're in the wilderness like Moses, but you've got to cross the Jordan through Joshua, Jesus, to go into the promised land. 
John is saying, I'm trying to get you into the promised land. But when they got to the promised land, it wasn't hunky-dory. They had to deal with the giants. So when you get saved, it's not just, that's it. A lot of people preach salvation like, that's it. Once we get you in the promised land. But once they got in the promised land, what did they have to do? They had to take out all the enemies. They had to take out all the giants. They had to take out everything. And Joshua took the main strongholds. But if you read the book carefully... And then you read the book of Judges, you realize they didn't get them all. Why is David fighting Goliath? Why is David fighting? I think even Jeremiah is talking about giants, if you read the Hebrew carefully enough. And then after that, we don't hear about them so much. But Jesus has to come and deal with the spirits of those giants. So we're still dealing with that. There's things that have to be dealt with after you cross the Jordan. After you get baptized, there's things you still have to deal with in your life. I need to baptize you with water and repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Joel chapter 2. And with fire. We talked about that on Joel 2. Go to Acts 2. Go back to our previous messages now. Go back through all of that again. And now apply all of that here. Whose fan is in his hands, he will thoroughly purge his floor. What's the fire for? The purification. Go back to what I taught you about beauty for ashes out of Isaiah, which Jesus grabs as saying, today this scripture is fulfilled in you. And he will thoroughly uh, purge his floor. There's that purification language. And gather his wheat. Why are we doing this? Because we want the wheat. He's separating the wheat from the tares. He's separating the wheat from the tares. He will burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. That stuff that we do that's all chaff that doesn't matter, all the stuff that we do in our life that doesn't matter, it's all going to burn. And it won't matter. We went through that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul is doing the same thing as John the Baptist in 1 Corinthians 3 as he's building the church, burning off the field to purge it and building the temple. Inside which was the fire of God. And they burned incense. They burned outside with the sacrifice, but inside they burned with incense because God is in there, that fire that we've been talking about. Now let's move on to Matthew 21 for one of Jesus' parables to understand further. I want to take you deeper now. Now that you have all of this in place, all of this in place, now I want to take you deeper. Now, <laughs> Matthew 21, 18. In the morning as he returned to the city, he hungered. Jesus was hungry. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereupon but leaves only. He said, let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. Now the fig tree in the Bible is, and even today, is a big sign of Israel. That's one of their symbols. We got the eagle. We got the stars and the stripes. We got red, white, and blue. We got all these things that represent America. The fig tree is one of the representations of Israel. He's coming like John the Baptist, and he's looking for fruit, and he's not getting it. Now, I told you in Acts 6, we see many priests, Pharisees, coming to Christ. I showed you, we know Paul, in Acts 9, a Pharisee killing Christians who repents and comes over. So there is people who do repent that are priests, they are ministers, whatever, but they repent and they come in. And you see the fruit of it. So here we got this tree and it has no fruit. Just like John the Baptist is asking the Pharisees and Sadducees, show us the fruit. If the fruit is there, then we know they've repented. 
Jesus says this is not not fruit, and he curses it. Moving down to verses 20 to 22. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus just cursed it this morning. And on our, we go into Jerusalem, do our business, and on our way out, it's cursed. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if you have faith, 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 and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done in the fig tree, but also you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and it shall be done. And all these things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Now it's in the sentinel. In John 20, when Jesus is breathing on them the Holy Spirit, he tells his disciples to go out and preach forgiveness of sins. So he's telling them the same thing. Go out and do Joel chapter 3. But the hope is Joel chapter 2. That as you preach being forgiven. The disciples were forgiven. Peter was forgiven. Being forgiven. You go out and preach God's forgiveness. And we hope for the fruits of repentance to come out of that. Okay. So that's even in John 20. Moving over now to Matthew 7 that I talked about earlier. Matthew seven sixteen through 20. You shall know them by their fruits. Jesus wanted fruit from a tree. He didn't have it. He cursed it. John the Baptist is asking the Sadducees and Pharisees, where is your fruit? Jesus tells us we can discern. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? There's figs. Where do you find figs? John the Baptist is looking for fruit. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. If you're seeing good fruit, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down. There it is, just like John said. And is cast in the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Check the fruits. Check the fruits. Joe chapter 1, everybody's under judgment. Joe 2 is repent and then produce fruit. And then go out in Joel 3 and preach it and look for that fruit. No fruit, then you know. Let's take it now to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's do what Paul does with this. Paul talks about repentance in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 9. Now rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. Paul pointed out some sins in Corinth and he says now I'm preaching to you now these are Corinthians he's writing to the believers at Corinth a lot of people forget that he's writing to the believers at Corinth and he says I caught you guys in sin as a matter of fact in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 he talked about a man who was sleeping with his father's wife I mean that's bad in 1 Corinthians 5 Paul is saying you have a man who is sleeping with his own father's wife. Now maybe that's a stepmom. But still, he's sleeping with his father's wife. And you have him in church. You need to deal with that. And he needs to repent and come out of that. And be restored. And there are some people who think that he was restored. The way Paul writes it. It's, we're not really sure. And it's, not, it's meant to be ambiguous. It's meant to say he could have repented or he didn't repent. But we're doing Joel chapter 1, 2, and 3. We're offering repentance. And then we're looking for, is the fruit there? So that it applies to anyone. Now rejoice, not that you made sorry, that I angered you, that I preached, I wrote a letter so hard to you about your sin. And I don't care if you're sorry that you got caught. 
Did you repent and change? For you were made sorry after a godly manner. The difference. Not sorry because you got caught, but sorry so that God can do a new work in your life. He's talking to believers. Oftentimes people fail to realize the Bible is written to us, the church, the believers. They don't read the Bible. It's asking us to repent. Now I rejoice not that you are made sorry, but that you sorrow to repentance. For you were made sorry after godly manner that you might receive damage by us nothing. I'm not trying to damage you. I'm not trying to gossip. I'm trying to help you. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. In other words, you change and you get on the right track and you go. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. The sorrow of the world is, I'm sorry I got caught and I'm going to do it again and again. Now, some people struggle. Some people, it's difficult. They have addictions and they, it's, it takes time to do that. Okay? The doctor told me, you have an eye problem. It's not what they thought from the office. And I didn't see you, so I couldn't say anything until I saw you. I see you, it's eczema. I'm going to give you this medicine. He says, I don't care what happens. You put this on. Your eye gets better in two days, three days, I don't care. You put this on for a full week. You don't stop putting this on until Saturday. No matter how good your eye looks. Because when you're dealing with medicine and antibiotics, a lot of times people will take them. I had a guy at work told me, he's like, I got some antibiotics. I didn't take the full thing. If you want some, you can have it. You can't take half a dose of antibiotics because you weaken it, but the, the virus or the whatever, the bacteria will come back and it will be stronger because it learned the antibiotic. And now, what are doctors going to do? Penicillin used to do wonders. What does penicillin do now? Same thing with like your teeth. My wife's always angry about my teeth. My parents said, hey, your father has dental uh, at Owen now. Says so for $3,000 you can have your teeth straightened. Or whatever it was. I don't remember how much it was. I said, how about if we take half the money and I buy a computer? I didn't get my teeth straight. My wife's still angry about that. She says, you got such crooked teeth. And I didn't get the computer that day, on that day either. I got neither one. But anyway. But those braces will straighten over time, will straighten your teeth out over time. It doesn't happen overnight. Repentance doesn't happen overnight. But is there progress being made? A tree that didn't produce fruit will take time, but eventually produce fruit. But you've got to see what fruit is coming out of it, and you've got to be patient. Is it producing repentance? Verse 9. We're in 2 Corinthians 7, 9. Now rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed repentance, for you were made sorry after godly men that you might receive damage by us and nothing. He doesn't want to damage him. The point is not that you got caught, you're sorry. The point is, are you changing? Okay, I want to make that clear. For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas the worldly grief produces death. we got to be careful. Is it producing that which we turn to Christ and we get closer to Christ or we turn to death and we get further away. We have to, what is happening when that person repents? Are they moving closer to Jesus or further away? What's happening? They still could be struggling, but that's what you've got to gauge. You've got to gauge are they moving closer to Christ and they're wanting to embrace that or they're moving away. 
Let's go to Luke 13 for one of the parables of Jesus. A lot of the parables of Jesus are ignored and they have so much to offer. I've been telling you about them. So Jesus spoke this parable in Luke 13 verses 6 through 9. He spoke this also. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. There we go. We have the fig tree again. So I wanted you to understand this because a lot of people don't put all this together. I'm trying to do biblical theology with you. And he came and sought fruit thereupon and found none. Then he said unto the dress of the vine, Behold, these three years, for three years, and Jesus preached for three years, by the way, is what most people think. And behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree. For three years he's looking for fruit and find none. Cut it down, why cumber the ground? Now here's somebody that was patient, right? Three years. And Peter said, How long should I forgive my brother? After seven times? And the servant. Now the master is saying, why is this tree still standing here? The servant answering said, Lord, let it alone this year also till I dig about it. There's that language I told you. You've got to open up that fallow ground. You've got to let the air of the Holy Ghost go down in. You've got to let the water wash it. You've got to let the nutrients come inside and dung it. We have must be humble. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that I shall cut it down. So let's not be hasty with John and Jesus automatically thinking Jesus means if it, oh, cut her down. Because that's what James and John said. Jesus strike these people with lightning. And Jesus like, I'm not ready to do that. I know you read a story in Elijah where he called down lightning or Elisha. and uh, No, we're not doing that yet. We're not doing that yet. A lot of people make the mistake. They say, "Is have I committed blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? If you're asking that question, you probably haven't. And a lot of people don't understand in the Greek, when Jesus is talking to them, they haven't committed it yet. But he's warning them that they're on that trajectory, that they're going to go toward death, and they're not going to go toward Christ. Romans eleven twenty nine. For the gifts of calling and God are without repentance. God is not going to let you go. God is not going to let you go. He's going to go after you. He will always seek for your repentance no matter what. He is going to go after you. And he went after them. He went after Paul. He went after them. And that's what we're talking about. Repentance that he goes with. He goes after them to save them. Okay? For God hath concluded. Romans 11.32. That was Romans 11.29. Verse 32. For God hath included them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Remember I taught you 2 Peter 3.9. God doesn't want anyone to perish. God doesn't want anyone to perish. God is wanting them to repent. As a matter of fact, it's described as the hound of heaven. When God gets after you about your sin, he will not leave you because he wants you to leave that sin. He's going to come rescue you like those rescue dogs come out in the blizzard and save your life. He's never going to let you. He wants to save you. That's the kind of God we have. And we know the fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. We know that. Philippians 1.11 Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. This is what Paul is saying. We need to be filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ and the glory of God and praise of God. Further, James says in James 3.18 And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. We're looking for a harvest of righteousness. Being right with God and getting right with each other and being restored with one another. Finally, John 13.35 By this you shall know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And there's the final thing. Love. 
So I hope you can begin to understand that this is what we need to be about, the love of God. That God is the rescue dog and he's not going to let you go under. He's going to do everything. He'll go to the cross. He'll go down in death itself to save you. But that's the love of God. Father, we thank you for this teaching. May we all understand it and may we all bear fruit. Just like we came together for the wiener roast. This one brought that. That one brought this. This person did this. This person washed this dish. This person wiped this table. Everybody came together and did something and we produced a wonderful wiener roast. You call us to come together, all of us praying our own fruits of repentance in areas of our lives that we come together and help one another. Just like we're physically sick, well, when we are sinfully sick, we come together and we help each other to bear fruit again. We help each other, put the band-aids on, put the medicine on, help each other to heal each other. And we get through, no matter what we're facing. We all help each other. And we produce the fruits of righteousness that you call us to. Help us to remember this. In Jesus' my name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc that's d-k-e-n dot c-c we look forward to seeing you next time god bless you